Welcome to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell. I'm a talent management thought partner and results coach, wife, and mom. Talent management leaders are hungry to learn from their peers and want to hear about real-life talent initiatives. This podcast is for and by talent management leaders. My guests and I dig into successes, challenges, and lessons learned from a very practical, not theoretical point of view. You'll discover important insights about how to elevate your confidence and amplify your influence in a role known for being caught in the organizational middle. I'm thrilled to have you listening. So let's get going and hear the truth about talent management today. There's nothing more disheartening than designing or implementing a program or process and seeing it land with a thud. That's why it's critical to involve your stakeholders early and often. Listen to this episode to be inspired around how to help people see themselves in the processes and programs you implement. My guest is Susanna Kelly. Susanna is Vice President, Global Talent Management at Apotex, Inc. She's an accomplished HR executive with a 20-plus year track record leading enterprise-wide HR initiatives that support critical organizational growth. Susanna is really passionate, and that comes through in today's interview. She is an associate certified coach and really sees coaching as an enabler of personal, professional, and organizational growth. There are so many nuggets of wisdom in this conversation. I lost count. Susanna brings a ton of value here. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome back to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell, and today I'm joined by Susanna Kelly. Susanna is the Vice President of Global Talent Management at Apotex, which is a really massive pharmaceutical company here in Canada. Welcome to the show, Susanna. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. So let's begin by sharing with the audience a little bit around your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, thank you. I started my career in financial services and spent a good number of years at CIBC in junior you know, HR consulting roles and then progressively increasing my career, did a change management role there, was fortunate enough also to come out of HR and jump into the business in a corporate risk governance role, which was really excellent mm-hmm. experience. So I was a risk manager for two and a half years, managing three processing centers in the GTA. It's a really great experience to really look across the organization and understand the workings of the organization and then go back to HR with a much more enriched experience. I spent 10 years at CIDC and then I moved very intentionally to a pharma organization. That organization was Novartis. And I would say that my experience there was a a really excellent one. What it allowed me to do was take that very rigorous experience that I've had at the bank and apply it in a much more creative and entrepreneurial way. I always say, I don't think it would be possible to have done it the other way around, to have started out in a creative entrepreneurial space and then go to something that was more constrained and more structural. But what it allowed me to do was, as I said, take that great experience and really think about how I could shape that for our employees, really drive the employee experience, although we weren't calling it employee experience at the time, but really shape the engagement for them and really allow people in that organization to be seen, to feel heard, to, to, to feel valued and, and come to work every day, really seeing the impact of their work in our organization. That's the benefit sometimes of moving to a smaller organization. 
It allows you to drive stronger relationships with employees directly and really, you know, shape and craft the experience for them. Yes, it's so interesting because, you know, a couple of things strike me and it's it's just so funny how how our all of our individual experiences, how we perceive different things can can vary, right? Because you and I, it turns out we kind of have a bit of a shared overlap at CIBC, actually. And I was part of the CIBC group of companies. We know some people in comments. And that entity, CIBC Finance, was very entrepreneurial. And it was wonderful. I had, you know, it was really formational for me. I was there for eight years, met my husband there and several best friends and so on. And so it gave me a taste of being able to pivot because we were small. So I get, I get, you know, as a, as a smaller sub company, if you will. So I, I get what you're saying. The other thing that's so interesting, and I appreciate the insight is you going to pharma very intentionally looking to that creative entrepreneurial side. Because, you know, my dad was a pharmacist and I worked in pharmacies for years from the age of 13. And I, I never thought of pharma as being. Of course it is, but I never thought of it as being entrepreneurial because I'm thinking, well, it's research, it's science and so on. So it's just fascinating to me. So tell me what, what brings that kind of entrepreneurial vibe throughout the organization when you're in a pharmaceutical organization. Yeah, well, I think so. People would think that science is very, you know, analytical and linear, yeah. quantitative. But actually, if you think about it, I mean, it is about experimentation. It is about thinking, how can we develop the next best thing? How can we capitalize on what we have today and solve an even bigger problem, right? And so that creative thinking is always, always present. That is so interesting as an insight for me. Yeah, they're always thinking ahead, right? Like, what's next? Let's be ready. It's very proactive and it also needs to be very agile, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about the way that farmers, you know, pharma organizations work, you know, they have launch plans that are, you know, five years and 10 years out, right? And, you know, people are working for a very long time on, you know, the next medicine or the, you know, the next product that's, you know, due in five years, due in, right. you know, due in 10 years. And so that, that creative thinking is always ever present. Fascinating. Well, I really appreciate what you're saying, or I'm getting that clear grounding, that foundational basis in HR, you know, through the banking experience, because they do do those things so well. I, 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 I can speak to that as well. And then you kind of moved into this other environment that really seems to work for you. So how does that entrepreneurial creative spirit show up in your work as head of HR? I think, well, you know, what I love so much about the space that I'm in and, you know, now working directly in the COE, talent management COE, everything we do is about the employee experience. So we're constantly thinking about how does this thing that we are working on show up for this particular workforce? How does it show up for this this particular demographic in the workforce? And so we're constantly shape-shifting to make sure that as we deliver that we are thinking about how this works for corporate, how this works for our production workforce. You know, what is the experience that they will have when they interact with this particular product? Yeah, PowerPoint deck that we've developed, this program that we've developed, this policy, how is it going to work for them? And, you know, having this very diverse workforce, we have production and we have corporate. I'll give you an example, you know, the employee survey. So you can send that to our corporate workforce on email and they will take 10 minutes to complete that. But our production workforce needs time off the floor in order to be able to complete that. And so how do we deliver that to them in an entrepreneurial way? 
So what we did was create a QR code that we posted on the wall for them on the floor. And so as they walk past with their phones, they can scan it and then they have that. They can take it with them. They can you know, do it on the way home. They can do it when they get home. They can find their own five minutes, 10 minutes to complete that. And so it's just, it's those types of examples thinking about always, how do we make sure that this is a rich experience for them, that it's not onerous, that it's not cumbersome, and that they, they see themselves in the process. Oh, that's really important, right? See themselves in the process. Yeah, because, you know, in my last role, it was very similar in the sense that we had all of these retirement and long-term care homes, the bulk of employees worked in these 200 other centers. And then you have the corporate support kind of group. And yeah, you know, the people behind a desk was much easier to leverage. That's a beautiful example of of using technology in a really agile way that, that meets people where they're at. That's exactly it. Yeah. Well, and this has been is something, you know, kind of touches on a couple of things you and I were speaking about earlier that you're overall, and, and I'm sorry, I said you were head of HR, but no, with talent management, you've got the COE, but generally for HR, I guess there's there's a whole transformation project going on and, and a focus on in data insights and so on. And, and that's going to feed into our conversation about employee experience. We're going to go deeper there. Tell us about what those data insights are that you're looking to leverage. Yeah, I'll give you an example of some of the excitement that we have around the journey that we're on. So we are, you know, on an HR transformation journey, but in fact, the the whole organization is on a digital transformation, right? So when you think about, you know, manufacturing, that you have to upgrade your your factory, right? So we're moving to a smart factory as one example of what's happening in the business. Very exciting. That, That fundamentally changes the nature of the way our people work and interact with technology and interact with output. Right. So that's very exciting there. From an HR perspective, you know, one example that I can give you about how we're using data. So we used to, like, perhaps like many other organizations, deploy an annual engagement survey. And we, well, not even at 18 months. And then we would do that, you know, manually again, 18 months later. We moved to a platform, a survey listening platform. That platform is SAP Qualtrics and it, it allows us to listen ongoing. It allows us to deploy our annual survey. It allows us to deploy pulse surveys. And it makes, you know, the AI allows us to make really very rigorous correlations between what did they say in the annual survey? What are they saying in this pulse survey, which, you know, may or may not be connected to that annual survey, right? The questions may be something different. So we may deploy a survey around return to office. How are you feeling? How engaged are you now? What's different for you now than two years ago? So we're getting really, really rich data that allows us ultimately to tie all of that back to how engaged is our workforce today? We can split and splice that data across different segments of our organization, obviously. But how engaged are you today? And it also allows us to really understand the attrition. It allows us to understand the retention activities that we need to take. We've deployed exit surveys, automated exit surveys through this platform. implementing automated onboarding surveys through this platform. All of that data comes together in one really, really rich melting point that allows us to always have one source of truth around the pulse of our organization and what's happening with our talent and why, you know, why what is happening is happening. Many people say, oh, I'm leaving for career development opportunities. But what does that really mean? Everybody says that. 
Everybody says that because nobody wants to burn a bridge. Right. Right. It's a small small industry. So everyone's leaving for career development opportunities. But what this data allows us to do is really then parse. Obviously, it's aggregated, you know, but, but it allows us to really parse and understand trends and themes. And oh, so I'm making this one up. But oh, so we're actually seeing that of this pool of people, trust was Trust was up, but recognition was down. And so what's that telling us, right? Communication wasn't strong here. Or in this particular period of time, we see that communication was down or trust was down. Oh, that makes sense because it was at that time we implemented X and Y. So it just really allows us to get underneath what's happening in our organization and therefore put the right you know, retention and engagement activities in place. What it also does is really put data in the hands of our people leaders. So it's less about even HR having a view, of, although of course we need to have a view, but it puts data in the hands of our people leaders and allows our people leaders to take action on what they need to do within their functions for their teams. And so this shift, cultural shift of HR, you know, owning the data and telling everybody what to do. Now people leaders have the opportunity to go into their own dashboards and see at a point in time, what's happening within their teams and why, and take the right actions specific and unique to their, to their teams. It's really great. And it's very exciting. Oh, it sounds like I'm, I'm drooling a little bit over here because, you know, to have that kind of data and to have it so automated and really it's real time what you're talking about. What's take up then like on that? I don't know if you could speak to that, but I'm just curious, like, you know, because they, they say garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. Like, are you getting enough sort of inputs to to allow you to have some sense of belief around what's coming out on the other end? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been very robust for us. It's been very successful. Our participation rates have always been plus 85% across our wow. organization. And I would tell you that that QR code is an example of making sure that we're able to drive that, right? So that's an example of being able to really drive the participation. And so, you know, we've had strong participation both on our full surveys and on our pulse surveys. But I think what's also important is the context, right? And so sharing with employees that we care about your voice, we want to understand your opinions, we are focused on employee experience, and we've shared with them, you know, our model around, you know, all of the milestones along the employee experience journey around along your career your career journey and why we want to listen to what matters most in each of those milestones, sharing with them that it's really important for us to hear from you what, what's important. And then obviously taking action on what we've heard. We make sure that we are very, very, very intentional around going back and being able to give updates on the actions that we've taken. I think the context allows us to build trust with our employees that we are taking action against what they're saying. And so they're always eager and willing to participate in the, in the surveys and share, you know, it's amazing to me how many, not just completion of the survey, but the number of comments that we get as well. You know, so people take the time to really share, you know, what's, what's important. And often there's a view that the comments are negative. We get lots and lots of very, very positive comments as well, which is, you know, obviously very rewarding for us. That's yeah. So there's a lot going on there. So you know, what it makes me think is that this would be really this this idea of listening to the employee voice, really taking action. So I really must tie in to your EVP, which I know is something yes. that you've been working on. Could you tell, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we spent the last two years 
really focused on our employee experience. And this year we've shifted a little bit to really working on our, our employer value proposition and the external messaging and crafting, crafting those messages that we want our candidates to have and to really know and understand about Apotex. I think for a long time, we have really focused internally, but just like every other organization that is experiencing the winds of, <laughs> the winds of change, <laughs> it, it's important for us also to be really having a voice outside of the organization as well. And so we have started some work around the EVP, you know, understanding, first of all, getting a sense from our employees around what they think about our lifestyle, compensation, our benefits, people leader effectiveness, really understanding from them, you know, how they feel about those elements of our culture, going back into our surveys and really looking and seeing again, what are some of those messages We've held workshops with some of our employees to really validate the messages that we've created as a result of looking at the data. Do these statements feel correct? You know, come to Apotex, you will, you know, have a rich career, you will grow, you will expand, your people leader will be invested in you, but you will own your career. Do these statements feel like the right statements? If you were at the barbecue and you were talking to someone and encouraging them to come to Apotex, is what are the things that you would say about this organization? So we're putting all of that together and then just really thinking about where we put those messages externally. Where do we have our sources of talent? Where do we, you know, where do we typically recruit from and where do we need to be recruiting from? And so how do we change those messages if necessary to meet again, those, those various and diverse sourcing pools. And so that's, that's the that's the work we're doing right now. Yeah, so there's a lot there. So I'm I'm curious with the you know the messaging. So what's been sort of the the main shift, like the the essence of the shift from the old message in terms of how you used to try to attract people into yeah. to where you've moved to. So I think a couple of things. One, we've always been very much more internally focused than externally focused. So that's one shift. Two, I'm not sure that there's a shift in the, um, in the messaging. It is that oh, okay. we've been internally focused and we're now really wanting to drive candidate experience, right? We need those messages to support that intention. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Makes, makes good sense. Yeah. So it's not a shift in the, it's not a shift in the message itself. It's more just making sure that we've got an end to end messaging versus the more internal messaging that we had previously. Right. Now what, you know, so when you think about you, the employee experience work that you've been so focused on for the last two years, what parts of that have kind of helped inform your approach to the EVP? If you could give us some specifics, that would be so interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, we look across the employee career journey. So we look at attraction, onboarding, performance, engagement, development, and transition. Those are the six milestones. We think about, you know, what are the moments that matter in each of those milestones? How are we building trust and communication in each of those milestones? We have a model that we use. We call it the three C's, conversation, connection, collaboration. That sort of underpins all of that. We, we try to ensure that in each of those milestones, employees feel seen, they see, feel valued, they feel heard. And, you know, call those design principles, if you will. But mm -hmm. that's what informs all of the work that we do. Beautiful. Okay. And, you know, something else you had mentioned to me is that you had a particular focus on, on people leader effectiveness as a way to really help ensure that that employee experience is mm -hmm. strong. 
What what kinds of things have you and your team done in that area? The, the three things that we measure in our employee experience survey are engagement, people leader effectiveness, and equipped factors, how equipped do our employees feel. When it comes to people leader effectiveness, it's about how are they, it, it, again, all ties back to employee experience. How are they recognizing their employees? How are they building trust? How are they valuing their employees? How are they ensuring that they're aligning the work? How are they building confidence in the future? How are they having the right development conversations? And so the work that we do from an integrated talent management perspective is to ensure that we're meeting all of those different dimensions that show up in that survey. How are we equipping our people leaders to have rich development discussions? Do they understand who their talent is? Are they putting in place differentiated talent development strategies? You know, are they, do they have a pulse on their organizations and do that, do their people feel engaged? If their people are leaving, do they understand, you know, do they understand why, you know, are they communicate, you know, are they communicating in the right way? Do people feel included? Is there a sense of belonging in their team? Are they a high performing team? And if not, why not? And here are the strategies that you can use. Here are the change management strategies that you can use to, to ensure that you are having the right outcomes. So that, that's what informs the work. We, we really focus heavily on those dimensions. And as I said, call them design principles, but they feed our thought process in everything that we develop in talent management. I mean, ultimately our goal is, you know, we want to attract, retain and engage, you know, attract, engage and retain our talent. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So with those different dimensions that you use to inform the, the what, like what we need to make sure the people leaders are equipped to demonstrate, really, yeah. what are the things that you have in place, like in terms of supports? Because, you know, every organization has a different mix, if you will, of, yeah. of in-person training, of it could be mentoring programs, it could be yeah. self-study types of things, yeah. you know, different types of on-the-job experiences. How do you approach it? I'll give you a, just a specific example of something that we're working on right now. We know that we needed to create a leadership development program for our workforce, but we wanted to make sure that it was, you know, not just a leadership development program that people attend and then they come back and, you know, I mind is on the shelf and they're back <laughs> to work. Yeah. And so I thought about it in a very intentional way. And so when I went back to look at the survey what our, and what's important to us What's foundational to everything that we do is that our organization has a high level of trust and a high level of communication. So our leadership development program is built very much around trust and communication. And so from a format perspective, yes, we have, you know, a webinar type session that people leaders can attend to really understand what trust means for us as an organization and what communication means for us as an organization and how those things should play out. What's more important, perhaps, or just as important, the follow-up to that workshop, which is then a much smaller facilitated session, facilitated by our HR partner and in concert with a business leader. And we bring small groups of managers, supervisors into a room, and they really talk about their day-to-day -day issues, challenges, opportunities that they have when it comes to building trust, driving communication, in their respective areas. What I didn't mention is that, you know, there's pre-work and there's post-work and it's very much tied to them looking at their own survey results and, and understanding where they have these gaps and where they have challenges. But bringing people together to really talk, share, leverage learnings in these small 
in these small sessions. That addresses many of our managers and our supervisors. I wanted to make sure that our directors were involved in this as well. So I brought those directors in as mentors for these small facilitated sessions. That allows our mentors who are often in our, you know, who are in our talent pools, who need development, you know, need continued development themselves. This provides them with an opportunity to have exposure across the business. They've got, right, they've got diverse groups in front of them. It allows informal mentoring to happen because once they've mentored, you know, once they've participated in these groups, relationships are going to occur. People are going to call and say, excuse me, do you have 30 minutes that I could share with you, chat with you? So it allows this really lovely, you know, expansion of learning to happen across the organization, for connection to happen across the organization. And everybody is learning in their own way. And everybody's learning in their own way at bite-sized pieces that allows it to happen very organically in the day-to-day versus taking huge cohorts of people through you know, classroom training, which, you know, obviously it's becoming a bit of a dinosaur, but, you know, taking people through large, large cohorts through classroom training, taking them off the, taking them off the floor only to have it not resonate. Yeah. It's so fascinating because, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of certain classroom trainings done well because I facilitate, you know, they have a place for certain. They do. As long as they are integrated and embedded in it. You know, in the day to day, in the day to day, and that there's some way for people to to translate and integrate that learning rate in yeah. real life. So this idea of making or learning more organic really is appealing to me. And it's so weird, you know, when you buy a new car and suddenly you see the same model everywhere you go. So what you're describing is something that I call a peer learning model, right? Which is which is what I do in my business, and it just came up with a guest I was speaking to yesterday too for the for the show. I mean, I think. It's really about treating people as adults, like this, these smaller facilitated conversations. It's, it allows people to get very specific on what matters to them and their That's team, right. Right? So I, I, it's a beautiful thing to see that really is established and taking root there. And we're, we're, we're very excited about this. Oh, yeah. This program, lots of opportunity, lots of opportunity. And with the whole, you know, all of our people leaders involved in their own, you know, in their own way but everybody leaving richer for the experience. Yeah, well, and it also makes the design, like the instructional design, as we, we have always called it, less arduous, really, right? Because it's, it's more around inquiry, I would imagine. Like, what's, what's yeah. that design process looked like in terms of how you equip the HR business partners that, that are leading these? Yeah, so we've, I mean, they are very well equipped to facilitate these sessions. But actually, a lot of the ownership is on the participants to come to the webinar having looked at their own survey results and understand or, or at least have reviewed, you know, what does trust look like? What does communication look like for them? Uh, receive some learning around trust and communication. Post-webinar, go away and think, okay, now that I have more understanding around trust and communication, let me look at my self-reflection worksheet again and hopefully have a different view of it than they had prior to coming into the session and then really, you know, coming up with some questions and thoughts that they want to share in the sessions, which are facilitated and prompted with questions. Yes. And so I'd say a lot of the ownership is actually on the participants to come motivated and willing to learn. The HR partner facilitates that with the business leader. But what's important for the HR partner 
who has a responsibility to uplift people leader effectiveness for these people overall is to take a look at the overall survey results for the group and mm-hmm. have, a, have an understanding and a sense of, you know, what are the, you know, what are the common issues for this group and then be able to facilitate the conversation such that it meets the need, right? So everybody's involved. Everybody has a vested interest in yeah, uh, yeah, together. We have, because we've got a lot of folks that listen that are very specifically in, you know, OD learning roles, not just, you know, also broader HR. But, you know, I, I know for some folks, and I'd be like, well, what did you give the facilitators, right, to help them do that yeah. work? So is it, is, is there any kind of supports or, or guidelines? Okay. Oh, they are, they are fully equipped. So they, <laughs> they have the full training program, which is the PowerPoint deck. Yeah. They have full speaker's notes. This is what you say. This is what you do. These are the questions that you ask. We have a full facilitation guide on here's, you know, we recommend that you do either virtual or on-site, in this case, not hybrid. Here's how you, you know, here's how you set up the room. You know, these are the questions that we would ask you to consider. We will, we do train the trainer with them. We invite the the mentors to come to that training. So they are fully equipped. Well, there Uh, is that. Oh, we do a dry run with them. What's really important from a talent management perspective, from a a COE perspective, is our design process with our HR partners is very collaborative. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is not, you know, ivory tower, we create, we develop, we, we, and then we deliver and sprinkle all of these programs on our HR partners. We work very closely together, collaborating from the start. Actually, just yesterday, I had a session with our HR partners to say, here's what we've developed so far on this particular initiative that we all have a responsibility for in terms of the output. What do you think? What are your thoughts? What would you add? What would you take away? How do you see when you are sitting in front of that leadership team table, how do you see this working? So it's really important for us to get their feedback also because they represent the business. And so they have that business voice as well. So somebody will tell us that, you know, that's good, but I'm not sure that will work for my site because of these very unique, you know, idiosyncrasies around my site. Our organization is global as well. So, you know, what works for Canada might not necessarily work for Mexico or UAE or the US. So the design process is very collaborative. It's iterative. We're always in front of them. And at the end, we always have lessons learned to understand what went well. How do we leverage the learnings for the next time around? Yeah, well, and and this is the phrase going through my head. So I'm always talking with with my my folks in the talent trust and so on, and and the the groups that I run around embracing the iteration, right? To yeah. to really, you know, it's not that you listen to the needs, express needs once, and then you come up and you like a lot of people will just roll right in and start and design, and then they come back and oh, it's not what people were looking for, right? So we need to be really spending more of our time on that needs assessment up front and checking in. Okay, we've we've done a sort of draft outline. Like, is this going in the direction? Is the right? Let's focus on the outcomes. What do we picture? You know, the impact to be at this point. What do we need to adjust? So, I really appreciate the process you're describing. Yeah, we only get you know, the opportunity to do it once. <laughs> we have a lot of work and constrained timelines always. So it, it's really important that we connect from the start. I would tell you that our HR objective setting process at the beginning of the year is also very, very collaborative. So, you know, we have shared objectives, but here's what the COE will do and here's what the HR business partners will do. But, you know, but the objective is shared and the KPIs are shared. And so there's a lot of time spent in rooms together, COEs and HRPs, really understanding what the work is 
and then making sure that that design process is a very connected one. Well, and it also it sounds like being very clear around roles and responsibilities. Who's going to do what? Where do we kind of overlap or, or connect? Yeah. Which I think is really, really important up front because in some cases, many cases, you, you know, that the COE for talent management and the HR partnering kind of group, it, it's not always working together so smoothly. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. I think, you know, you've given some good ideas about what people can do to help that going forward. Yeah. I would just add that also, you know, everything that we do needs to be scalable. So we don't always go, you know, we don't always launch Big Bang across the organization. It might be in one site, get their feedback, and then we expand that to other sites. We make sure that all of our, you know, materials are accessible, that, that HRPs feel, always, you know, feel equipped. So, you know, it's, it, it has to be global, it has to be scalable, it has to be accessible. And, you know, we'll be adding to that in terms of the automation and digital as we go on this journey. But the, the thing that I always tell my team is our HR partners, as we're developing, we have to imagine ourselves sitting in front of those leadership team tables. Do our HR partners have what they need, right? And everything can't be, I'm really proud, I'm so proud of my team. They do such great work. Everything can't be, a, you know, a, a big PowerPoint deck. Sometimes, you know, it's the, it's the guide, it's the one-page desktop version, it's the easy-to-use spreadsheet. Again, coming back to even employee experience for our people leaders, does this work for them? Does this enhance their day-to-day or does it make it more difficult? Is it more cumbersome for them? Yeah, yeah. It's really that that thinking from the perspective of the customer, right? From their shoes and, and coming up with your solutions to align. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we are at the end of our time. Again, it always flies. I want to thank you so much. And I'd like to invite you to answer one last question, which is when you think about your overall career journey and you know, what's in front of you right now, what would you say has been your biggest learning? My biggest learning, I think, and it's very much connected to the work that we do today, but since the beginning of time, people are people. People are people. They, you know, save for a few bad apples perhaps, but people come to work wanting to do a good job. People want to show up and feel like they've made a contribution. And so, Our job always is to ensure that we set the conditions of success for our people, that we create environments and cultures where they feel seen, where they feel heard, where they feel valued, where they have a voice. And that allows them to be their, you know, the best version of themselves that they can be, right? That's how you create, in part, a high-performing team. That means is that you have to have a culture that is transparent, that allows for difficult conversations to occur, that allows for people to feel safe, to declare a breakdown, that allows for people or ensures that people are listening generously to each other, that people are truth truth speaking. I think I spoke to that, that people are truth speaking and that people are really in support of each other. That takes a lot of work. It doesn't happen overnight, but it can happen. And I've seen it happen. And so I, I think that's the biggest learning that I would take away is that, you know, in every organization, if you can get to that place where people feel like they are a part of something bigger than themselves and something that's special and unique and they see, they see purpose and meaning, you'll have a great organization. Yeah, I appreciate you boiling it down to the essence. You know, people are people and they, the intent 
assume best intent because they come, what did you say? People come to work wanting to do a good job. They, they do. do, ultimately. So if we believe in that and come from that place, then we're going to meet them where they are and start creating that yeah. kind of culture. Beautiful. Yes. Well, thank you, Susanna. Really, it's been such a pleasure spending time with you. I really appreciate you coming. Thank you. And speaking with it went by very, I think it went by very fast. I know. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your colleagues. Better yet, head over to iTunes and let us know. When you subscribe and leave me a five-star review, not only do I glow from within, but more people will learn about the show and why they should listen. Until next time, keep telling the talent management truth.